Good morning. Um, my name's Scott. I'm the lead pastor here at GRX. And uh, if you're joining us, it's your first Sunday with us. Today is our seventh message in our series on Ephesians. And uh, so we're going to, um, we've been continuing on through Ephesians and looking at what does it mean to um, grow in our faith? What does it mean to be mature? What does it mean to be followers of Jesus? And so we are continuing to go through the book of Ephesians. I've been encouraging our church to read Ephesians, uh, the chapter, um, before you come to service. And it will just help us to get more into the Word, prepare for the message, prepare for the teaching, and to be soaking in God's Word. So today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Now to, to get us into that text, and we're going to read that text in, in, in a moment, um, but I have an opening question for you. And the question that I'd like you to think about is, when did you grow up? I know it's, it's geared more towards the adults than, than youth or our kids that are in the service. But the question is, when did you grow up? <laughs> and uh, I, know, I, I, know, I know some of you guys are sort of wisecrackers out there. Some of you adults are like, what? I haven't grown up yet. What? I never grew up. I didn't grow up. I know, I've not been mature. I'm like living perpetually in adolescence. But my question is... Uh, when, um, when did you grow up? When did you become mature? And, and yes, yes, uh, growing maturity, it's a lifelong process, so we're continuing to grow. But was there a time in your life, a season in your life, where you felt like, I'm growing up, I'm, I'm, I'm maturing? There's something in the environment or something around me that's calling me or requiring me to grow up. It could be when, uh, when you got your first job, and you get your first paycheck, the check with your name on it, or direct deposit, or whatever. You're like, oh, I'm growing up. I have this. Um, it could be when you left home. Maybe uh, you went off, uh, you were living in your parents' home for a while, and then the first time you lived on your own. That's a season of growing up. Or for some people, uh, it's a tragedy. You have a parent who passes away, and then you realize, as a young person, it's time for me to grow up. When I went off to college, that was a really formative time. And uh, when you're in college, of course you're growing up intellectually. You're being exposed to all this kind of stuff. But it was also a time where I grew up uh, spiritually. And um, I, was, I went to a place uh, in Berkeley. Uh, Berkeley was, I think they still are, fairly hostile to uh, religious folks, like spiritual followers of Jesus. And what Berkeley created for me were all of these uh, situations and conversations where I had to not only grow up intellectually, like academically, but I needed to grow up intellectually in the spiritual realm, where I actually needed to understand and grapple with my faith at an intellectual level that required uh, 
intellectual integrity. So when I went off to school, I, I had a high school faith, a, a high school level faith, which works for high school. But dropping into college, all of a sudden the world expanded and the questions that I had to grapple with, my high school faith was no longer appropriate. So the context required that my faith, my intellect expanded so that spirituality and intellectual engagement could both have integrity beyond high school into college. And we were grappling with questions like creation and evolution. Uh, at the time, it was South Africa and apartheid. What is a Christian response to apartheid in South Africa? How do you be a follower of Jesus Christ knowing that there are Christians in other parts of the country who vote differently? What, what kind of intellectual understanding do you have of your faith? Life issues, human trafficking, HIV, AIDS, engaging all of these with questions. Um, and, and one sort of, sort of funny encounter I had, I remember I was a freshman. I was a freshman, I would go down to the church, uh, I would go to worship on Sunday, and I would walk down a few blocks to go every Sunday uh, to worship. And uh, one morning, I got a knock on my door from a guy. I did not expect this question. But he knocked on my door, and uh, so I opened the door, and it's like, you know, who is this guy? I did not know him at all. And he goes, oh, I, 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 I live in the dorm. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Who are you? And he told me who he was. I'm like, okay, so what's up? He goes, I have a question for you. I'm like, okay, sure. He goes, well, I'm working on this paper for Hinduism, and uh, I, I just wanted to know if you could tell me all about Hinduism. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> Dude, I don't know anything about Hinduism. I'm sorry. Like, why are you knocking on my door? Why are you coming down my road? What you doing? He goes, oh, well, I just heard that you were the religious guy for three floors. So I had a question. I just asked him. Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about Hinduism. But you know what was so great was the next year I took a class on Southeast Asian, was it Southeast Asian literature? Something like that, Southeast Asian literature, where part of what we studied was Hinduism. So I could learn about Hinduism. There's all these questions, these great questions. And I would say that questions, being in this environment and courageously asking questions and engaging questions is one way that we grow. And this is one of the things I'm going to try and encourage us to do, that with our faith, that we courageously ask questions as a way for us to grow up in our faith, that our faith doesn't get stuck or truncated at a junior high level or a high school level or even a college level, but that we have an adult level faith. And that means asking um, questions. There's something that I, uh, that I notice as adults, that as adults, we lose more and more the capacity to ask questions. Kids ask all kinds of questions. Why is it this? Why is it this? Why is it this? Sometimes you might have some of your kids, your own kids, like in this life stage, or if you're a kid zone leader, um, you, kids might be asking you all kinds of questions. Maybe it feels like too many questions. You're like, stop asking questions. <laughs> But as adults, we do stop asking questions. 
Maybe because we get in trouble for asking too many questions. Maybe because in your workplace, you get ridiculed if you ask questions. You look like you don't know, so that's not a good look. So you don't ask questions. We don't ask questions. But to courageously ask questions is a way for us to grow, uh, particularly to grow in our faith. So we're about to read the scripture, and as we read the scripture, I'm going to introduce a way of reading scripture to us um, that may be new for most of you. It, it's actually more of an adult-level way to read scripture. And uh, the exercise is called the Courageously Asked Questions exercise, um, where this is how it's going to work. This is how it's going to work. Um, so get Get ready. Get, get your courage up here. Get, get ready. The way the courageously asked questions exercise works is I'll read, right? Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. I will read. Um, you say, stop, and then ask your question. Meaning, as I'm reading, if a question occurs to your mind, you shout out, stop. And then you will ask your question. Now, we won't send the mic around or anything like that, but just so that people can hear, um, I'll, I'll try as best I can to repeat your question. Okay? And this is a way, the rationale, I've, right, you're adults, so I have to explain the rationale behind this. The rationale is to bring our intellect and our life experience, ourselves, into proximity with the text. So instead of me just reading it over you, kind of like sprinkling it down on rain over you, that I will read, and as I read, if any question occurs to you, you say, stop, and then I'll go, okay, and then you'll ask a question. And um, that'll be great. And what we're going to try to do is create um, questions together. Uh, we're just going to try to hear what are the questions that arise from our community as we together read scripture. Okay, so uh, just a practice run before we really do it in about 30 seconds. So I'm going to pretend like I'm reading, and then you just say stop, okay, as soon as I begin reading. Ready? I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. Great! That was perfect! All right, so that was a practice run. And then at that point, like whoever said stop, I would turn to you and say, Raymond, what was your question? And then he would, he would say his, his question. Okay, you guys ready? No, yeah, I'm not ready anyway. I'm coming anyway. I'm coming. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I therefore... Yes. Who was I? It's excellent. Who was I? I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, therefore, stop, I'll stop myself, stop, therefore, anytime you see therefore in scripture, you have to ask, what is it there for? All right, right, all right, so I, who's there, who's I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, yes, why prisoner, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity, where am I, 
Stop. Oh, verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond. Yes. Yes, what is unity in the Spirit? Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There was one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Yes. What does it mean by one baptism? Right. How much water do you have to use? Right. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Yes. What the heck does that mean? Good question. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. Yes. Yes. What? What is the measure of Christ's gift? What is the measure of Christ's gift? What does that mean? It's great. Good question. Yes. When did he ascend on high? That's a good question. Yes. Where is that reference from? Right. It's offset. Why is it in quotations? Where is that coming from? Where is that? Is that the Bible? What is that? Yes. Who is the host of captives? Yes. Yes. Good question. Who's that? When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Yes. What are gifts to men? Yes. What are the gifts to men? Yes. Is it only men? In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. Oh, just keep going. <laughs> he who descended is the one who also... Yes. <laughs> what does that mean? He who descended is the one who also, descend, who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Yes. Why is that in parentheses? Right. There's no punctuation. Why is in the original? Why is that? Yes. What does all things mean here? Yes. Yes. He went up and then down? What? Just to get back up again? Yeah, I don't know. What is that? What is that? Did he ascend to descend to ascend? What is he doing there? Yes. Is that a question mark? Is there a question mark at the end of nine? What does that question mark mean? What does that question mark mean? The earth? I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know what that means. That's a good question. That's a good question. Yes. How many heavens are there? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That's right. How many? There's one in every crowd. How many heavens are there? Yes. Yes. That's a good question. How many heavens are there? How many heavens are there? Um, I'm not even going to bring in the other parts of the Bible yet. All right. So where are we? Verse 10. Verse 10. Oh, we already read 10, right? Oh, 11. And he gave the apostles and, 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Yes. Who are evangelists? Um, yeah, because we know everybody else. But yeah, who are the evangelists? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Who are the evangelists? Who are these other people, the prophets? Um, and teachers to equip the saints. Yes. Who are the saints? Is that us? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> to equip the saints. To equip the saints, all of us, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. That's the mystery, that we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Stop. What does it mean to mature manhood? What does that mean? What does that mean? Um, And then verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Yes? How do you know when you've been led astray? That's a good, that's a good question. Yes. I've heard speak truth to power, but what is speak truth in love? Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, speak truth. Where am I? 16. <laughs> Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Stop. Okay. You're lost. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. That's a good question. So what, what we're doing, that's a great question I'll share, is that this is actually one of the ways that we learned to read Scripture when we were in seminary, when I was training to be a pastor, that we would sit around and read Scripture like this to try to surface as many questions as we could in, as an as a exercise or as a vehicle, a practice to dig more deeply into Scripture. Because what it does is when we ask these questions, we begin to wonder, what does this actually say? And what does this actually mean? That's intellectually we're engaging the Scripture. But we also engage this out of our life experiences. What we do when we ask questions of the Scripture is we also engage not just our intellect, but our whole life experience. So that we ask questions like, well, I know what it is to speak truth to power, but what is it to speak truth in love? That's a life experience kind of question that, that we ask. So I was just doing that um, as a way to show you, one, a way to read Scripture, 
It's me trying to equip you, equipping the saints for ministry. I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to show you a way to read Scripture that I think actually brings your whole self or more of your whole self to actually the passage. Now, you can pursue any of these kinds of questions that have come up. You can pursue all of them. You can pursue none of them. You can pursue one or two. But this is why there are all kinds of books and articles and pastors and teachers and Bible study leaders who are continually teaching on Scripture. Because these questions, the questions that you came up with, are fantastic. They're great. And this is one of the ways that we grow, that we courageously ask questions, which means we we don't know the answers, but we courageously ask questions into the text. So with the the short time that I've got left, I'm actually going to focus on the last two verses to try to offer something about this theme of growing up. That's a long extended practice of one way that we could grow up. But I want to focus on verse 14, uh, 15 and 16, um, where it says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. That we are to grow up into maturity. And there's a challenge for us that, of growing up. And it's something that's kind of in our day, in our time, that even though this says to us, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ, I think there is a lot of downward pressure for us in our culture to actually not uh, grow up, to actually not grow up. Um, it's sort of a phenomenon that shows up in pop psychology and, and you know, it sort of shows up around. Sometimes it's called uh, Peter Pan, or the Peter, does somebody know Peter Pan syndrome? It's not really a syndrome, but it's kind of a Peter Pan thing. The story of Peter Pan, he lives in a place called Neverland. He's uh, a boy, but he never grows up. And he never wants to grow up. Actually, if you know the story of this, it's a little, oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this, it came out in the 1950s in the movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> He has this choice at the end. Will he grow up and live in the real world or will he return to Neverland, Never Neverland, where he never has to grow up and he returns to Neverland. He decides he won't ever grow up. Now, there's a bunch of boys that are on that island, Neverland. They're called the Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. They actually decide they will live in the real world and they grow up. But it's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. I think there's a lot of boys who are adults, but they're lost in boyland because they're lost boys. They actually haven't chosen to grow up. Um, so the question is, for us to grow up, uh, there's more foundational question than that uh, of, of how to grow up. It's the question, do you want to grow up? Which is the Peter Pan question. Do you want to grow up? And Peter He said, no. Some people will say, no, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to grow up in my faith. I don't want to ask any more questions. I don't want to know. I don't want to expose that I don't know. I don't want to ask. And so there you are. I say, have a good time in Neverland. Have a good time. You just won't grow up. But if the answer is yes, I do want to grow up 
and I want to grow up in my faith, then I need to give you a disclaimer, a little warning, that to grow up and to grow, you will feel uncomfortable. You are stepping into and saying yes to being uncomfortable, to something new, perhaps something disorienting, thinking about something or doing something you've never done before. Almost like as I was reading scripture and you had to shout out, stop, and then say a question. For some of you, you might have felt uncomfortable. For some of you, you might have even had a question in your mind, but it was too uncomfortable. You didn't want to say it. And uh, that's, that's okay. I'm just showing you, I'm illustrating within an illustration, what does it mean to grow up? What would it take for us? We have to risk ourselves. We have to feel a little uncomfortable. We have to do something that's maybe a little unusual. I'm going to put up a non-exhaustive list, but this is like the application slide for GRX. Here in Scripture, the Apostle Paul is saying, to grow up in all ways into him who is the head, Jesus Christ, for the building up of the body, that is for the building up of the community of faith, the body of Christ, which is us. So here are some ways for you and me to grow up within this body. This is, these are some practical things. These are application things. You might want to do some of these things. Um, number one, investing in a life group. Notice I did not say attend a life group or go to a life group. I didn't say that. Invest in a life group. It's different than just attending. If you just attend, there's not any investment that you've made. There isn't any participation. You, I mean, you, you've invested your time. Yes, yes. But your growth will be based on your investing. Investing in the group. Investing in the people. It's different than just attending. Investing. It changes your perspective. Because when you decide that you will invest in a group, it means that you are investing and you will begin to take a responsibility and an interest in the people that are there. And that compels us to ask questions about who are they? Why are they there? What is their situation? And as we ask questions and engage them, we will grow. We will grow in our faith. More than just attending, it's actually investing in a group. So here's, here's another idea. Practicing generosity. Practicing generosity. It's a way for us to grow. It puts ourselves at stake, our time, our energy, our attention. And it puts us in a posture of actually not being able to control the outcome. When you give something away and you practice generosity, it's not a transaction. It's not I'm paying for something and so then I expect something back. That's a transaction. When we practice generosity, it's the practice of offering something freely and we place it out before the other person and we actually don't control the outcome. 
how does this help us grow in maturity? It helps us grow by actually not being the one in charge or control. And it moves us towards trusting God for the outcome rather than trusting ourselves for the outcome. That's the difference between generosity and practicing a transaction, that we actually place ourselves in a posture of trust. We're expansive towards other people rather than trying to control the dynamics of the transaction. So here's number three. How do we grow up? Praying and being with God. That is actually a profound way to grow up. That we are actually with God. Uh, praying, simply talking with God, and being with God. We've been talking about reading Ephesians, re- reading Ephesians chapter 4. Read that one time a day. Um, but I also threw this out here. That you would actually go and waste time with God. Have you ever thought of like going and wasting time with God? Going and grabbing a cup of coffee with God? Like, I'm just going to grab a cup of coffee with God and just check in. Just grab a cup of coffee, sit, listen, pray. Like, really? That feels like a waste of time. Maybe. Maybe. And then the last thing. Um, offering your gifts to the body, which is what it says here in Ephesians 4. Uh, Ephesians 4. It's in Jesus Christ, whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part, part is working properly, each part of the body is working properly, it makes the body grow and so that it builds itself up in love. What gift can you offer to the body? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know. Well, then waste some time with me and let's have coffee. We can talk about that, okay? Here's another way to look at it. All of us, as a part of GRX, as a part of this body, we are each parts or members of this body. We are different body parts of this body. When we don't offer our gifts... It would be like one part of your body just attached to the body. But it's actually not not doing the thing or participating in a way that it was intended to participate in. So yeah, you're, you're a part of the body, like this finger is a part of the body. But if it's just here, it's it's just an appendage. And and what happens is that not only does this, body, this part of the body not grow or grow stronger and it doesn't exercise, it doesn't work, so it, 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 it begins to sort of get weaker, but actually the entire body actually is the lesser for it because this part of the body is actually not, not functioning to its capacity or the way that it was designed. And so here... This is an invitation for you. And you might be thinking, ah, oh, I don't really have anything to offer. Like, I'm not a, a, a musician, you know, like, like Ray. Or I don't have that. Uh, 
And I, like, I don't have that awesome, sexy voice like Jason O when he sings up here. So I don't know what I can offer. Or I don't know, I'm not good with kids, so I can't with, you know, every part of the body, God gives us each other so that we might be the body of Christ. God has placed something, and I would say many things in you, to bless the other people that are here. And so that's an invitation for you to step more fully into the ways that God has gifted you. There's no guilt. There's no pressure in this. I don't need you to do anything. Jesus doesn't need you to do anything. So there's nothing that you need to do. It's not a guilt thing. But it's an invitation. You have gifts for the body that God has brought you into, which is this body, which is GRX. So you can offer it. And that's what it says in Ephesians. For the building up of the body so that we as a whole community might grow up. Okay, let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you call us to actually grow, to grow up and to be uh, mature to not be stuck in places of immaturity, to not be stuck, um, but God, that you call us and invite us to grow. God, I pray that you would give us the courage, help us to step into the courage, to ask questions, to wonder, to listen, to waste some time with you so that we individually and as a whole people might grow up into all maturity, into you who are the head. Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.